Welcome back. This is another episode of Another Picture Show podcast, and I am Olivia. My name is Madeline. And we do film reviews. Most of the time, Madeline does not know what movie we are going to be reviewing until I tell her, and that is the case this week as well. So. (laughs) I love surprises. Nothing I love not knowing anything until I absolutely have to know it. Yes, exactly. So this week, I was thinking since we're starting to get into Oscar season, we can start watching and reviewing movies that have a lot of Oscar buzz going into 2020, um, mm-hmm. the 2020 Oscar season. And we can also watch just movies that have had Academy Award acclaim in the past. So fun uh, fact. I did not know when Oscar season was. People just be like, it's award season, but I really felt like they said it at any point in the year, so I never <laughs> knew when it was. I think oh, officially... I was just going to say, like, I never consistently watched the Oscars, so, like, yeah. I never knew when it was. Like, I think I've seen the Oscars start to finish twice in my life. I think it was the year Anne Hathaway won for Les Mis was okay. the mm-hmm. only year I watched the Oscars from start to finish and then the last time I watched it, I like watched the last half and it was when um, Moonlight won, but they announced the wrong movie at oh, first. Yeah. Um, the- yeah, that was awkward. Moonlight. Oh, no, no, no. The year. Wait, was it the same year? Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm wrong. I, I don't think I watched the year that Anne Hathaway won. I think it was the year. Definitely. It was the year that John Travolta was like Adele Dazeem. And then everybody was like, is he okay? And then Adina Menzel <laughs> had to go on stage after that and sing Let It Go. <laughs> so, because that was, yes, that was the year Frozen one. I remember, yes, it was that year. I don't remember which year that was, but uh, maybe we, when we come back from our, with our review, I'll, I'll, I'll have that okay. fact. Okay. But yeah, so I figured we could start watching some movies that have Oscar buzz uh, attached to them. So this cool. week... Um, Oscar season is, is usually, I think, supposed to be, like, October to December. Um, that's kind of, like, when all the, like, big Oscar movies are movies that people think are going to have a lot of, like, award potential come out. I right. personally think that there are plenty of movies that come out during the year that are Oscar-worthy. They just, for some reason, only look at movies that come out between o- October and December of, of a specific year. 2020 might fuck that up though because why not the entire movie like schedule release thing has been messed up so who knows maybe we'll get movies that came out like in january we'll see but um so this week i thought we could start out with a movie that already has a ton of oscar buzz and it's our very first 2020 release on this podcast it's our very first aaron sorkin movie on this podcast and maybe our last Aaron Sorkin movie on this podcast. We'll see. Uh, this week, we're going to be watching and reviewing The Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh. I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not at all. Out, so... Like, I have no idea. Is it a, it's not a documentary. No. It's a, okay. Are you familiar with a lot of Aaron Sorkin movies? He's he did the what um, movies? Aaron Sorkin movies. He's a writer. No. 
<laughs> All right. Well, this is going to be fun. Okay. So <laughs> he's, he's, a, he's a very, very famous writer in Hollywood. He's well known for his like fast, quippy dialogue. And he does a lot of like courtroom dramas. Like he really likes courtroom dramas and like political Did he dramas. do A Few Good Men? Yeah. Oh my God, no, he did it. Oh, what? oh my god that's so funny for some reason i don't know why i made that that really is funny did he do um (laughs) did he do 12 angry men i don't think so Um, Uh, that's a really that's like a pretty old movie i'd be surprised no he he he's well known for his courtroom dramas his like political dramas his like uh Mm. He's, yeah. Um, but he stepped into directing movies. I think his directorial debut was Molly's Game, which I have not seen. But I personally... Never heard of it. I'm not going to say anything about, about his work and what I think, because I want to save it for the review. Um, but The Trial of the Chicago 7 is his second movie that he's directed. Um, he wrote it and directed it, and it's based off of The Trial of the Chicago 8 Um back in the 60s after the riots in Chicago after police attacked protesters who were protesting outside of the DNC. So if you've heard of like Abby Hoffman and uh, I'm forgetting all their names, but they're like famous Vietnam War, like anti-war protesters. They were protesting uh, the Democratic nominees for the election that year because they were both pretty much pro-war and they were they were there to protest and uh, were met with police violence as often happens at protests and then there was a trial and the shenanigans ensued and Aaron Sorgan decided to make a movie about it but he made it last year and decided to release it this year amidst all the craziness that is 2020 and i would love to hear your thoughts <laughs> how apropos yeah. to release it this year <clears throat> mm-hmm. so okay i will say not gonna I go well went, i was super excited when i saw the trailer for this movie because it's right up my alley it's about things that i'm passionate about right um politics right <laughs> protests uh what are those yep systems being poked at and shown their flaws and sasha baron cohen i love sasha baron cohen and joseph gordon i love joseph gordon levitt and they're both in this movie um really i don't care much for him but we'll get into that later i guess (laughs) oh hot takes flying already okay um (laughs) no i i saw the trailer and i was super stoked and watched the movie and i have thoughts and we will get into those when we get into those so with that let's go watch the trial of the chicago seven and we'll be back in three two one We're back, y'all. So, we watched Trial of the Chicago Seven. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So, the Trial of the Chicago Seven 
is a 2020 American historical legal drama written and directed by Aaron Sorkin. The film follows the Chicago 7, technically 8, a group of anti-Vietnam War protesters charged with conspiracy and crossing state lines with the intention of inciting riots at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago. It features an ensemble cast that includes Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, Sasha Baron Cohen, Daniel Flattery, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton, Frank Langella, John Carroll Lynch, Eddie Redmayne, Noah Robbins, Mark Rylance, Alex Sharp, and Jeremy Strong. So with all that, uh, Madeline, tell me your just first reaction to the movie. Okay, so by the time it was over, because there were at one point I was like, like, when will this end? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can see how a lot of people will rave about it. Because I even brought it up to my coworker today. I was like, oh, I watched Trial of the Chicago 7 last night. And he was like, oh, my dad loves that movie. He won't stop talking about it. I need to watch it. And I was like, well. <laughs> and I kind of like ruined his day because I like popped off a little bit. Like probably not as much as like other people would. But like I was like, mm, like. But like with most historical dramas, it's it's got its inaccuracies. And it's got like pretty big inaccuracies. They, like, especially when I, want, like, constructed the timeline, because I did the timeline before I watched the movie. So when I was, like, watching the movie, there were points where I was, like, okay, that definitely mm-hmm. did not happen when they are saying it happened. Because I, like, literally had my laptop and, like, the little mm-hmm. <laughs> little timeline up, like a little nerd. And I was, like, what a minute. <laughs> Needless to say, it was, like, it was okay. Like, it was, like, a movie where I was, like, right, cool. Like, if I knew nothing about the subject matter, I would think this was a pretty moving movie. But mm-hmm. there are also moments where I was like, this is too much. This is too much drama. This is definitely not how these situations happened. So stop. And that was that was essentially it. Yeah. I think I saw this movie when it first came out and I was like really hyped for it. I was, it's like right up my alley. It's like history. It's a little bit of legal stuff. It's, uh, you know, pointing out problems in the system. Sasha Baron Cohen. Jazz. Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, my one true love. He, uh, yeah, I was looking forward to all of it. And because it also felt really timely. I agree. But after watching it, I felt like it really, really, really missed the mark for a lot of different reasons. And I think as we go, we can kind of break those down. But just, you know, my initial overall thought on the movie is it is super, super whitewashed. It is like pretty much turning a really violent um, moment in history into a Disney movie, essentially. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like to me. Right. And I know that, like, there some artistic liberties have to be taken when you're making a film. Like, I understand that. But I think an interesting conversation to have is, like, when is it appropriate to kind of not? (laughs) Like, what artistic liberties are incorrect in certain instances and I think this is like a really good example of that but there is I one also that they took that really ground grinded yeah grinded my gears they burnt my beans and we'll get into it there was one that really just <laughs> peed me oh 
Be yeah, there's, there's a few. There's yeah. definitely a few. Um, I'm going to try my best not to like start yelling during this, during this <laughs> review, but. <laughs> I'm the host of this Zoom meeting. I can mute you, I think. I don't know how this works. <laughs> At some point, I'll just cut out and like, you won't hear my audio anymore. And, and it's just you'll me, know that, like, me doing the game of theme music, just humming it. Yeah, you'll know that I'm, I'm, I'm going off. Olivia's been um, put in the isolation box until she's calmed down. Meanwhile, here's <laughs> Game of Thrones. Another thing that just really got me upset. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another thing to rile you up is the Game of Thrones. She's just really, really, like, she wants me to go off the rails, I guess. I'm pushing every button tonight, guys. Uh, but yeah, so that's my, um, that's my first, first impression. Pause. This is a spoiler podcast. Um, if you don't want to know anything about specifics in this movie, go away. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Watch it, then okay. come back and be upset too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the ending of this movie is just probably the worst ending I've seen in a movie in a really long time. Like, it was so cliche. Like, yeah. Like, it felt like a parody. Yeah. Because, okay, so it's just so laughable. Like, like the slow clap is a meme. I used it in this movie. Like, he starts saying the names, which I'm just going to say it now. Uh, did not happen that way. Uh, it wasn't also, even him who did it. It was Dave It wasn't Gallinger. him who did it. And also, they were reading off the names of Vietnamese people in the Viet Cong, as well as American soldiers. But that wasn't mentioned, which kind of just plays into right. the liberalism of Aaron Sorkin's storytelling but I will Yikes. I will I will calm down um he starts reading the names everybody just starts clapping and standing and like just just clapping for like 10 minutes when and, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character stood up oh I my, was like fuck this movie <laughs> I was like fuck this because ending. he was just he like had so much just in real life the character that he plays in real life had so much disdain for the for the defendants and was like really really not in support of them at all so like to have sorkin kind of create him as a sympathetic character at the end like oh well mm-hmm. it's kind of like good guys on both sides kind of thing so like it plays into a larger issue of the, that the movie has like Mm-hmm. who Aaron Sorkin is actually trying to like make the villain of this movie because Richard Schultz like, was the lawyer by the way yeah Richard Schultz he stands and is like respect for the fallen and that never happened like he definitely would not have stood in support of anything that the, the defendants did and mm-hmm. <sighs> it's just exhausting but to see Frank Langella like banging on the gavel for like five minutes straight as the the camera pulls back and everyone's like yeah like fist raised uh it was just it's it's probably one of the the cheesiest most i agree Aaron Sorkin like things ever it felt like the end of like high school musical like when they win like when the the basketball game has to be postponed because like shit happens then they win the game and like 
they're just after they had finished singing we're all in this together like that is like comparable to the ending of this movie <laughs> like the the music starts to swell everybody's just like standing in this courtroom like everybody's like yeah except for the judge who's like no no like, we'll have order traveling like i'm still racist like <laughs> But then, like, the title cards at the end come up, and it's like, oh, no, like, there's no happy ending here. They went to jail. One got hit by a car. One killed himself. And you're just like, (laughs) I was reading that, like, oh, my God. Like, there's no happy ending here. And Aaron Sorkin has, like, a fetish for idealizing everything. And that's, like, a huge weakness in this movie. Because you can't have somebody Because they end up going to jail. For five years. Yeah, you can't have somebody who is, like, trying to idealize, like, really horrific things that have happened in American history to, like, appease a liberal audience. Because like, I didn't read uh, about what happened to them after. I think one of them married Jane Fonda? Yeah, Tom uh, Hayden did. Did he really? Good for John. Yeah. Good for him. Good I for will you. say, I did, I was surprised by Eddie Redmayne's American accent. I, I don't yeah. think I've ever heard him in a movie where he plays an American and I liked it like I don't know what Tom Hayden sounds like but when I was like listening to him speak with an American accent I was like I'm into this like this is nice this is nice to listen to um like it was like much more like I don't know because like I feel like some people some British actors like American accent is like too like I don't know it's hard to describe I just like twang yeah they like they try and force like the Americanness of it too much. And with Eddie, there was a couple moments where it was like he slipped like a teeny bit. And mm-hmm. I was like, but I liked it. I still liked it, yeah. is what I'm saying. I don't know. Yeah. It could be a horrible American accent. Like, I don't care, but I liked it. Um, do you have anything else to say about like the ending? Hmm. Um, like yeah. the ending scene. <sighs> Well, the, besides the historical inaccuracies, inaccuracy, David Dellinger was the one who tried to speak the, who tried to say the names. You're mm-hmm. right. It was the soldiers and members of um, the Viet Cong. And then also, um, yeah, fuck Richard Schultz, Richard Schultz, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's representation. Like, like, I'm sure he was like at his core, like not an evil person, but he definitely like was not there to be like, no, but I respect these men for what they did. Like, he definitely was yeah. not there for that. Like, he was yeah. the AUSA. Like, there's no... He was for there for the government. He wasn't there for, like, these, like, quote-unquote, like, hippie liberals or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing else about the ending specifically got me going. I just have... Like, one more thing before we get into the rest of the movie about the ending. It felt super abrupt. Like, it felt like it kind of yeah, just ended. Yeah, that's true. Because, like, the next... I forget what scene it was. I think it was when... Was it... No, no, no. I think a little oh, bit more no. happened. Sasha Baron Cohen, like, gave his his little testimony. And, okay, and then he was like, I've never been on trial for my thoughts, friend. And then it, like weirdly fades to black i thought that was weird okay i wasn't sure like all right right before the ending or not i couldn't remember yeah yeah yeah. we're like in a student film now i guess (laughs) i was like what what is this it was so like long and uncomfortable too it was like a really drawn out fade 
and it, it faded out at a weird it was like, like the really fade from a powerpoint part. presentation yeah <laughs> yeah it's like that pixel it went to black <laughs> it's just like oh okay like an old camcorder like the transitions on an old camcorder. oh god just like, stop <laughs> <laughs> no and then and then it came back with that ending and i like it like i said before it speaks to like the issue of like aaron sorkin trying to turn this story into some like uplifting idealized version of history and events to like appease a liberal audience right like really really bites itself in the butt because there was no happy ending in this case at all and I mean, the needle like, the hasn't case moved. got overturned, but like, well, I mean, like, the needle hasn't moved since 1968. Right. Right. So, like, there's no, you can't spin it to be like. I'm trying. To they did something here. Needle. Right. No, I <laughs> they agree. They did something here. Um, I feel like if they had like one more scene, in between, like. Abby Hoffman's weird fade out and the ending, it would have been easier. <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> but like, they were just like, fade to black. Now bring them in yeah. in gray sweat or gray like prison suits or whatever. And I was like, what? I was like, okay, so were they like, what? When did they change? Like, is this, <laughs> I thought it was the same day. And then they were like, no, this is the sentencing. And I was like, Oh, we have them go change and come back in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Go get in your jumpsuits. Come back out. We'll talk about it in 15. So yeah, the ending was like super corny. Didn't really care for it. But I was mad beefing with the Fred Hampton, like random insertion into this, like of all, well, I guess not even of all, but like I get that, like the Black Panthers had like a role to play because like Bobby Seal was part of the trial for a time, but like why why bring why bring him into it? I have okay, so Aaron Sorkin has an issue writing people of color. I think in general, I feel like okay he tries to focus on like each individual member of the seven in like one way or another or like there's too many like protagonists that it's like really convoluted which means that when we talk about bobby seal and his involvement in the black panthers the black panthers become caricatures because Mm -hmm. there's no context given for them and their involvement in this trial other than like look at all the black panthers sitting around their headquarters polishing their guns and like wearing sunglasses inside it's like it's so cartoonish it's like ridiculous and fred hampton like i honestly don't know why i think maybe he's just like the only prominent black panther he knew besides bobby seal so he's like fred hampton was there sure and we have to like tie in some weird like injustice done to the people involved in this we have to show fred hampton's murder even though like after fred hampton dies and after bobby seal is in the courtroom then don't show up in the movie at all for the rest of the movie so here's also like it's so it's so absurd it's stupid and also like so in the movie bobby seals like big outburst that leads him to being like bound and gagged in the courtroom is the supposedly in the movie the day after bobby or not bobby seal fred hampton was killed by the police Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a shootout right (laughs) So, according to my accurate, at Aaron Sorkin, 
accurate historical timeline, Bobby Seale was severed from the trial in the beginning of November, if I'm not mistaken. Fred Hampton was not killed until literally a month later in 1969. He was killed like December 5th or something like that, 1969. So like, I don't know what bullshit, Aaron, you were trying to pull, but like, it didn't make a lick of sense. I was sitting there and I was like, because when, as soon as they were like, oh, I'm Fred Hampton, I was like, Fred, like literally watching the movie, I was like, Fred Hampton, really? He was there. Yeah. And then I like Googled it. And of course, the first thing that comes up was like, he was not there. <laughs> yeah. Big, bold, yeah. capital letters. Basic historical research, Aaron. That's what you should have well, done. Okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Okay, so, no, no, you're, it's all good. I totally, uh, 100% agree with you. But I have a quote from Aaron Sorkin about, like, the the liberties that he took and, like, why you have to change a bunch when you're making a movie. And I feel I like care. this is a perfect segue into, like, that conversation. So, uh, before a film can be anything else, relevant or persuasive or important, it has to be good. It has to tend to the rules of drama and filmmaking. So I'm thinking about the audience experience. This isn't a biopic. You will get the essence of these real life people and the kernel of who they are as human beings, not the historical facts. And I feel like in this instance, like that's okay for some like movies based on real life events. But something like this that is like so relevant to like what's happening now. And so like you're representing people's ideologies and like people's, uh, historical impact on like our country right and and you like like fred hampton and the black panthers in this movie narratively make no sense Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if he had focused on them as like the center of the story and it was about bobby seal it would it might have felt more cohesive but we should have probably had a different writer (laughs) also right well first of all yes um yeah also like this this movie wouldn't be about the chicago seven like you said it should be about bobby Steele and like his participation in in being the co-founder of black panthers like that would have been i want to see that movie actually can somebody make that movie please olivia can you get on that thank you um can you get (laughs) i don't know if i'm appropriate for that either but either way get some balls rolling see see who bites um (laughs) <laughs> me like swirling my beer i'm like things to say <laughs> um, threatening me guys so, like, <laughs> it's a broken beer bottle <laughs> i swear to god um okay so also with that quote that makes me angry because it's like bro you're not writing you're not making a movie about like fucking braveheart like you're not making a movie about amelia Earhart. Oh, that rhymes um you're not making a movie about somebody who like was like the first to do something but hasn't but this isn't about like some major political event that's basically being in a sense repeated today like the same problems are like as you said are are persistent the needle hasn't moved these are prevalent issues that unbelievably are still going on like almost 60 years later you know Mm -hmm. so the fuck like i think that there's always going to be artistic liberties taken. I said this earlier, like there's always going to be artistic liberties taken when you're making mm-hmm. a movie about something based on, you know, real life, because that's just how the process of filmmaking works. You right. have to, Film is art. you have to make it make sense for the audience. He's correct in saying that, but like the audience isn't dumb. And I think he feels like his audience is dumb and like, 
he's creating an experience that they like won't understand otherwise. Like if you just base it on the truth, that's not interesting enough somehow. If you base it on the truth, the audience won't care. Right. And that's just bullshit because here we are. They obviously <laughs> do care. We're living through it right now. Right. So I think just because, and this movie was made in 2019, the fall of 2019. So it was before all of the stuff from the summer of, you know, George Floyd protests happened. Mm-hmm. So obviously he wasn't, he wasn't making this movie with the hindsight of, of that and like where the country would be when this came out. But I True. think just because something is, has relevant or like similar subject matter Mm-hmm. to something that's going on during the time that it is released doesn't mean that the subject matter was handled properly or appropriately mm-hmm. and in this case I don't think it was and it's also and think, like oh go ahead no go you're good well the only thing I was gonna say it's like it's also like this isn't as we just said a persistent event like there have been since 1968 there and 1969 when the trial happened there have been plenty of riots all across the country for many valid reasons, like the LA riots in the 90s, fucking everything that Lind, like, I don't think there are, like, riots necessarily, but definitely protests, and, like, the Black Lives Matter movement has begun, like, well before Aaron Sorkin even was like, you know what, let me make a really pointless, stupid movie. It's not pointless, like, the movie itself is not pointless, like, he wants to highlight the story, but he did it wrong, so it's pointless. (laughs) Okay, so, like, what saying that what do you think he's trying to say with this movie like what why do you think he wanted to to make this this film oh i think he wanted to make it relatable for both sides (laughs) (laughs) i think he was like okay i want to highlight i want this to still be like about like i guess like the art like the art and like the history and like the the rationale behind protests and like you know these dumb hippies weren't being dumb hippies like they were they really were like trying to change the world and like the clash of like the left the different groups that are in the in the left or whatever but also at the same time somehow make it digestible for people like in the middle or on the right who were like i remember i like people especially people who probably remember this event you know what i mean like 1968 was a long time ago but like there are people alive clearly who went through that event or like who remember that event in the news or talked about it in school whatever so I think he was trying to make it digestible for everyone but in the process he kind of like he kind of like dumbed down the protagonist like I think I read an article that like put it perfectly like he infantilized like all the character like all the defendants especially tom hayden abby hoffman and um bobby seal bobby seal and then the other guy the one um the other pothead guy what the fuck's his name i my imdb yes yeah jerry rubin like he made them all seem like like oh like they had this like spark of genius like once and then the rest of the time, they're just, like, immature crybabies that they're on trial for, like, standing up for what they believe in. And then mm-hmm. on the other side, they have, like, he made Joseph Gordon-Levitt seem like the, oh, I kind of get it, but they still broke the law, so I gotta listen to my mean boss, the attorney general. Like, 
fuck you. That is not yeah. how that happened. And you know it. So I don't know. I feel I'm like, being mad. I no, think I, it's just too much placating to like mm-hmm. multiple audiences. If you're going to make a film about something that made people mad at the time, make people mad now. Who the fuck cares? Everybody's mad for many different reasons. I don't give a shit. Just don't treat it's, people like they're dumb and don't okay, like... So- don't be stupid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I was listening to a podcast called The Dollop about Abby Hoffman, and they were talking about this movie and how, like, Abby Hoffman and the rest of the, the, the Chicago Eight, like, they all kind of represented different factions of the left, right. of, of the left at the time. Um, they all weren't, like, on the same page about, like, how to approach making change but they were all working towards the same goal and so like there wasn't as much hostility between everybody as there was in the movie but like they obviously still like had their different views on how to approach it right like i often was like a marxist anarchist and he was not that in this movie he was like very liberalized very like watered down um yeah, he was like a stand-up he, he said comedian a lot of like, who didn't like yeah. the Vietnam War. That's like what they made him to be. Yeah, they like, they, uh, I don't know. And then uh, Tom Hayden, like in the movie, they make him like the straight-laced, like I need, I want to uh, like work within the system to fix it. But in real life, he was like a revolutionary, like kind of militant guy. Like, there's a reason 800 people followed Abby Hoffman to the fucking police department. And it wasn't because he was, like, cute little Eddie Redmayne on stage, like, well, guys, like, this this sucks, you know? People are like, yeah. And then he gets arrested for, like, letting air out of his tire. Most people would be like, okay, like, that sucks, but, you know, we'll see you when you get out. No, if he was, like, a big fucking deal, which he obviously was, that's why 800 fucking plus people followed Abby to the police station. Sorry to interrupt. That got no, it's all good. Man. I, oh, I agree. I, I, I'm just saying, like, the way that that Aaron Sorkin portrays them is like indicative of his like liberal white guy, uh, like view. It's like having having a liberal make a movie about ultra leftist like Marxist people is like having Newt Gingrich make a movie about RBG. Like, it just wouldn't, it just is, like, super unrepresentative of, like, the actual ideas that were happening and, like, the actual ideologies and reasons behind their actions and, like, Mm -hmm. the, it's just not pointed in any direction that's relevant, you know? Like, Aaron Sorkin is, he's, he points at the systems, like, the problems in the systems in this movie, but then doesn't, but then, like, is okay with ending it on the note that he ended it where like it's 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 all good because there's good people on both sides so like it's okay that nothing's changed there's like, hope and it's like no bitch <laughs> this was at 1969 a, and we're watching it in 2020 and feeling the exact same way <laughs> i have a quote from um an article like a film review Joshua Rivera from The Verge. It says, The Trial of the Chicago 7 is also a Sorkin movie, which means it's a drama with expert pacing, cackling dialogue, and a worldview so white and male, you can just feel how eagerly it wants to lecture you. 
But because it's peak Sorkin, its stylistic tics are on full display. A pivotal moment in the film's final act, for example, actually hinges on one character's grammatical critique of another's quote. And then he goes on to say, um, gag a man for one day, and maybe the man presiding over an individual courtroom is the bad guy. But if it happens for days, it becomes clearer that the whole damn system is broken. So, I am mad beefing with that bit about the quote and everything where literally as as they said in that article literally the whole like moment of unity like the almost like the like the fucking crux the of the movie of the, yeah the yeah. climax in the movie was them going over the tape that's where tom hayden not holland um <laughs> that's where tom hayden was like no i can take the stand and what's his face consular was like no you can't like this shit's for real and they hear the tape again. It's about, you know, the kid getting beat up. His friend gets beat up by the cops. So Tom Hayden grabs the mic and he's like, um, let blow, blood. like, you know, if blood's going to flow, like let it flow through the streets or whatever. And at, at the end of all this drama and like, you know, whatever, fucking Abby in the corner is like, oh, you meant if our blood because you said this and like this grammatical like shit means that people aren't gonna interpret it the wrong way and tom's like you know what i'm talking about and abby's like (laughs) and then counselor the lawyer is in the corner like oh my god you you guys didn't incite this right oh my god and everybody's like wow and i'm sitting there like <laughs> like trying not to scream because it's like 10 o'clock at night i'm like that's it yeah. that's the climax of the movie yeah mm-hmm. i was like dude i first of all doubt that actually happened any of that actually happened aside no as, besides the point besides the point if aaron sorkin whomst ever this man is, because I've never seen any of his other films, I guarantee it. Um, If this man wrote the screenplay for this movie and was like, this is the money scene. This is where people are going to shit their pants in the theater psych at home on Netflix because he wrote it a couple years before COVID. (laughs) He was like, Yas Queen, here's my Oscar scene. I want to just, like, grab him by his precious little neck and be like, what were you thinking? All right, all right. So, originally, Aaron Sorkin and Steven Spielberg were supposed to uh, work on this film together. Spielberg (laughs) would direct Aaron Sorkin. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, there was, like, a, a writer's strike, and so... Spielberg had to kind of back out of the project and mm. Aaron Sorkin was like, well, I'll do it by myself and I'll direct it. Zoops. Um, but Aaron Sorkin is like most beloved because of his like super fast paced, like quirky, zippy dialogue. And like his like, this this is an instance the like, oh, it's like a a weird grammatical thing that's like hinges the the whole movie and we're supposed to be super wrapped up in this emotionally because he like didn't say our. And that's like a soup, that's just like peak Aaron Sorkin. Like the quote says, it's like, 
that's why people love him and that's why I hate him. <laughs> I <don't... laughs> I'm going to go on record and say that this is probably one of the stupidest climaxes of a movie I've ever seen. And we reviewed Twilight on this yeah. podcast. We reviewed Cats on this podcast. <laughs> we reviewed Never Been Kissed on this podcast. I don't even think that had a climax. <laughs> oh, right. It was the prom scene. Doesn't matter. Anyway. The fuck. Like, that felt so, that felt so forced. That was, like, of all the scenes in the movie, like, besides the ending, we already trash-talked the ending, of all of the other scenes in this movie, that one and the scene where they go to um, Ramsey Clark's house to, like, talk to him and, like, fucking um, Tom Hayden's there for some reason. Um, And, like, the, the, um, you know, the housekeeper lets them in and she's like you didn't stand up in court or you stood up you were the only one who stood up for the judge and he's like oh it it was a make mistake i was like give me a fucking break you know what i mean how on the nose can you be aaron right like everything about this movie is just so like he thinks the audience is dumb like it's just so on the nose everything is so on the nose like Like the metaphor of the like people from the DNC inside the bar and the protesters outside the bar and how like they're not seeing what's going on outside except for the one lady who's like, am I the only one that's seeing what's going on out there? And then they smash through the, the, the window because the cops like beat the shit out of them. It's like, okay, but the, the people in the DNC still didn't fucking do anything. Like they, right. they, they like still don't didn't change anything even after having the seeing the police brutalize these protesters like nothing changed so your metaphor falls flat and it's just too on the nose and the like whole modifier thing the like Sasha Baron Cohen be like you meant our that's just so on the nose the like I'm respect for the fallen like everything's just so on the nose (laughs) And, like, Kunstler being, like, there's no such thing as a political trial. And then later, like, having the realization that, like, it is this a political, was a political trial. trial, then we would have talked to uh, Michael Keaton way earlier. It's, like... <sighs> Michael Keaton was the best part of this movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it out there. Firmly, truly, madly, and deeply. I love Michael Keaton. And he did a great job. People love Aaron Sorkin because of all those things that I mentioned, his, like, fast, quippy dialogue, his, like, it, like it if just he was is, like, satisfying like... to listen to, I guess. But then if you actually listen to what they're saying, it, it feels so unnatural. And, like, just because you have fast, quippy dialogue doesn't mean it's good writing. Right. And a lot of people get confused by that. And I feel like a lot of film people are going to, like, really hate me for saying this, but... I have beef with Aaron Sorkin and this movie just is bringing it out of me. So. I feel like I feel like Aaron Sorkin <laughs> should just should just write like I don't know like heist movies like Fast and Furious or like Ocean's 11, Ocean's 26. I don't know what number they're on anymore, but like that's where like the fast quippy dialogue yeah. that has no mm-hmm. meaning is much more fun and enjoyable cuz they're like we're going to steal a diamond well, you would know Diamond if it bit you in the ass and ha 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 ha, whatever, shit like that. You know, that's, and like the fast-paced nature of like 
what a heist or like I don't know if I've never seen Fast and Furious. Um, <laughs> I have seen an Oceans movie though, so you know, got that going for me. But um, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like it. I get what he was trying to do, but even like the first like ten minutes of the movie when they're introducing all the characters and they're like cutting around and like back and forth, I was so confused. I was very like overwhelmed. Because it is a lot of people that you have to introduce, so I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, you could have done it differently. A Few Good Men is, like, about the military, but it's not even a critique of the military. It's just, like, an isolated story. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, he did The West Wing and Newsroom, which are both, like, about, about, like, the White House and the administration, and then also, like, the, like fox news like media outlet kind of wasn't the west wing a tv show um so he likes to like write about systems but he has no yeah but he has like no critique of the actual system like he i don't like this is why i have beef with him because he has obvious talent in like constructing interesting dialogue Mm -hmm. but it's used really inappropriately right um and, like, his his worldview, like, the quote said earlier, is just, like, super white, super male, super liberal. So, like, there's mm-hmm. no no pushing and no actual analysis of, like, what is wrong and how to fix, like, fix the things that you're critiquing. Right. Um, and in this case, it's, like, oh, but they're, look, at, look at they're all, like, hopping around the courtroom saying quippy stuff for three hours. <laughs> Also, I just looked up a picture of Aaron Sorkin and absolutely not what I expected, but makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Also, um, I'm not going to say anything mean, but yeah, I definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Also, uh, like you said, the beginning is very confusing. I was really put off because the beginning, it like literally starts out like found, like not found footage, like real footage of like MLK and like Robert Kennedy like being assassinated and then never we have, mentioned like, again well but it's too like really upbeat like fun music mm-hmm. so the entire opening is like look at all these like we're introducing all these quirky characters but also remember how like these people that were speaking out against the government how they were like murdered uh we like, don't like critique- that. Critiquing the Vietnam War, like, they were murdered, but, like, it's an upbeat, fun sequence where, like, we're meeting all these quirky characters. It was just, like, really off-putting, and mm-hmm. I'm like... It was very strange. Weird start, weird start to the movie. I agree. I did not... I I was not picking up whatever Aaron Sarkin was throwing down at that point. Because, yeah, when they did that... At first, I didn't recognize... Honestly, I didn't recognize... Um, what is it? I didn't recognize Kennedy, um, the Kennedy brother. Is it Bobby Kennedy or Robert? Yeah. Or Bobby Kennedy, Kennedy, but he goes by Bobby. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, tell me the answer. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. At first I didn't recognize him. And then once I saw like, unfortunately, once I saw the crime scene photos, I was like that they, you know, blitz past on their way to, I don't know, introducing Sasha Baron Cohen as Abby or whoever. Um, that's when I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I get what they're trying to, like, they're, like, trying to set the tone. But again, it was to, like, it was to, like, some funky, like, fucking heist, 70s heist music. They're like, 
and it's like horrible <laughs> photos of like crime scenes <laughs> and MLK's like memorial service. And then the background's like what just like the tone is all over the place i was already very put off but i didn't even really think about it until you said that's awful i shouldn't laugh because it's like you know about no it's it's just like it's ridiculous it just a lot of things about this movie are ridiculous and i'm i'm just upset because i know I know that people love this movie and it's going to get a ton of like Oscar attention and it's just a shame because it's silly. But I think we can kind of start to wrap it up. I have, I want to ask, is there anything that you liked about this movie? Um, besides Eddie Redmayne's American accent and Michael Keaton, um, I appreciate the attempt. I will say it that way. Because, like, it you is... Try. <laughs> you tried, boo-boo. A for effort. What I do appreciate about it is, like, it does attempt, as I said, to mm-hmm. highlight a moment in history that a lot of people don't know about like a lot of people Mm -hmm. our age don't know about because we obviously were not alive when that went down and our parents were probably very young when it happened um and also how prevalent it is to the current state of affairs like the current political climate the protests over similar grievances over similar you know bones to pick with like the federal government like I I really appreciate like again highlighting like this is something that's happened before but that comes with Aaron Sorge you didn't fucking do it right try again next time I don't know <laughs> no, just don't just don't don't or <laughs> or just make another oceans movie like I yeah, just do something more like fun you... and and less political please I feel like you do a really good job at like oceans 18 um but other than that the movie itself like again it was like well made but there were moments where I was like overwhelmed I was confused I don't think they really talked enough about like what happened to Bobby Seal like literally this okay last last major beef I don't think this is how it happened in the trial the same day like he gags bounds and gags him the judge Mm -hmm. has Bobby Seal bound and gagged and he's sitting there for like five minutes and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's so upset that like this man has been like you know like brutalized in front of everyone during an American prosecutor with a conscience (sighs) (sighs) Um, (laughs) he's like you just but he's like the one kind of realistic part was he was like you made him a martyr like that's essentially Mm -hmm. like the main reason i feel like joseph joseph gordon levitt's character was like upset was like you just made him a martyr and you've and he's connected to all these other fools so you're gonna make them all look like martyrs and like look you know um sensitive or like you know look like victims like against like the big man or whatever so like that made more sense like that that kind of like back and forth between the judge and um Richard Schultz or whatever his name was, the lawyer, the prosecutor. But what 
burn my beans was like five seconds later, the judge is like, just kidding, Bobby. Get get out of here. Mistrial. Get the fuck out of here. Goodbye. We'll we'll see you again in court some other day. Like he only like they only talked about like the 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 definite difference in like brutality that Bobby Seal faced versus the seven other white dudes who were defendants. Like they were all out on bail. The and then Bobby was held, you know, in in jail because like of his, you know, outstanding issues in Connecticut, which ended up being incorrect anyway. So it felt like the the white man coming in to save the day. Like Oh, very high key white savior vibes. I was like, get 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 your ass out of my face, Joseph Gordon Levitt. AKA Richard Schultz. <laughs> How dare you think you made a difference in this situation when historically you probably made it worse, but most definitely not better. Yeah. Like, so just another another instance of good guys on both sides. Uh the, this individual courtroom uh was a was a was a craziness but like ultimately if the good guys keep persisting then all everything will work out in the way it's supposed to and that's just like the needle hasn't moved for a reason like that's not how it works so right screw everything <laughs> um, at the end of the day the only thing i really liked was michael keaton <laughs> and eddie redmayne's accent that was about it yeah what about really you? Time. I'm having a really hard time, like, thinking of something I like, but I think I agree. I think I appreciate the attempt, um, because obviously it's become a talking point for a lot of people, and people are actually, like, looking into the history of of it, but, like, at the same time, I don't think that's enough. Like, if you want, like, either you represent it the way it should be, like, up front, so people don't have to do the research to figure out like how incorrect you are mm-hmm. or I don't, I don't know I just I appreciate the attempt I think Sasha Baron Cohen is like a perfect human being um, most of the time uh, I think that it's a shame that they didn't really go into a ton of what Abby Hoffman did during the trial because it mm-hmm. was bonkers like they left a ton out and it was it's like he's just he was dedicated to- I'm also definitely downplaying how they had a girl named Bernadette answering the phones and people were alluding, it was alluding to the fact that she was like, um, I forget her name, Bernadette, um, the woman essentially who like co or created like Weather Underground. So mm-hmm. like, especially like, I understand like it was about the seven or the eight um but mostly the seven but like they were not the only people who were like who like were a part of this they were the Mm -hmm. only people charged but they're making it seem like the seven of them like fucking power ranger together and like form of like fucking a riot or whatever (laughs) i don't know but (laughs) it just it just seems so like like they just like put all the seven and bobby seal and the you know the major players like the judge the former attorney general and like the prosecutors in a bubble and like transcended all time in history and just like let it happen oh and then they threw fred hampton in there and like 
it didn't make sense. So yeah. I don't know. I I'll I'll go on. Like I'll I'll just keep repeating the same. There's thing, just so. there's a, there's so much to critique about this movie, but I don't want to wear myself out with negativity. Um, right. That's right. You know what? Yeah. You're right, Boo. <laughs> I knew I was going to get worked up coming into this, but I'm trying to leave on somewhat of a positive note. <laughs> I love um, Sasha Baron Cohen. I love yeah. Michael Keaton. I love Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Yeah. The end. Um, I, I'm <laughs> happy that people are looking into this and like kind of seeing how history hasn't changed and are able to critique this movie with that lens. It gives me a little bit of hope that people are, are moving past the like Hollywoodization of, of events like this. I feel like we're, we're moving past the need for everything to be idealized mm-hmm. to make people happy. And um, I'm looking forward to Aaron Sorkin's interpretation of Ocean's 18. <laughs> I can only imagine what his next project is going to be. Um, but yeah, so with that, do you have any final thoughts on Trial of the Chicago 7? You know, it's funny. I went into the beginning of this being like, you know, I get why people are mad, but I'm not that mad. And then I guess the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, this is actually stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, that's all I got. I'm I'm wholly satisfied with everything I've said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting angry over movies with you. It's been fun. It's it's like a, it's just a, a th- cathartic release. Just, it is. It feels to good. Get get my thoughts out about stuff that ultimately doesn't really matter that much um but we're gonna keep doing it anyway we're gonna all right getting on movies anyway (laughs) (laughs) my bread and butter bitch (laughs) (laughs) all right so with that uh you can follow or watch this podcast on youtube you can listen to us on spotify on itunes on google podcasts you can follow us um, on Twitter at, at Another Pick Pod, and you can follow us on Instagram at, at Another Picture Show. And um, yeah, cool. I hope everybody is doing okay and hanging in there with all these crazy shenanigans. Oh, because this this movie is going to be released on uh, Tuesday, on um, Election Day. Oh, ooh, spicy. I love it. I hope everyone's okay. I, I, I'm just, I, I hope everyone, I hope everyone's doing okay. I hope everyone's hanging in there and enjoy your week. And we will see you next time with out, another. Just let us know. Yeah. We're probably stressed out leave, too. Leave a comment. Just tell us, tell us about your day and what's going on. We'd love to, love to hear from you. Truly. Um, with that, I will see you next week with another crazy wild review that hopefully won't make us mad. Uh, I love you. I love you. Bye. Bye.